0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to continue to uh, journey through the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, I think last time we made it all the way to verse 7. So we're cooking. But um, we're excited about 2 Corinthians because if you remember last week when we talked about it, 2 Corinthians is an opportunity for... Paul to share his heart. Often we're reading things and he's correcting issues. You know, hey, this is a problem. Don't do this. If that's a problem. Fix that. You know, and he's, he's kind of giving direction in, in all of the the churches that, that he planted through his missionary journeys. In 2 Corinthians, you know, the 1 Corinthians letter was basically received by the body and and many of the things they addressed and many of the things they straightened out there was a a a meeting that paul had with the church at Corinth that that we don't know anything about other than that it was a painful visit it was hard for him and then afterwards uh he writes this letter and in this letter you get to see paul you get to see paul the real person i mean a lot of times we read about paul and we think well yeah you know he's the apostle you know mighty paul all these incredible things he did and all these great works that god wrought through him but in second corinthians chapter one we're gonna see paul say man i was suffering i was in pain i almost gave up have you ever felt that way you ever felt like you know if it's gonna be this way if it's gonna be this hard Forget this. You know, I I was, it wasn't this hard when I was a pagan. Before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, things were were much easier. And now it's all this difficulty, all this pain, all this sorrow, all this hardship. Forget it. You know, I'm ready to quit. Paul was there. Paul was there. And he gives to us in 2 Corinthians his heart that says, man, though I was there, God was there too. Guys, when Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, He meant it. If we feel like we're standing in the darkness alone and there's nobody around and nobody cares or, or, or nobody, Jesus is right there in the room, but we're giving power to the enemy Listening to his lies as he whispers in our ear, oh, Jesus don't care about you. He's got a lot of other things to do. I mean, he's running a whole universe. And you're just this little person, you know? You're this little piece of it. Why, why do you, should you think that, that God would care about you? But you know, David felt that way, right? In the Psalms, he wrote, Who is man that you are mindful of him? Who is man? David's like, Who am I? Yet, the God of all the universe loves you so much, there was no price he wouldn't pay just to know you more. And he wants to reveal to you his will. He wants to reveal in your life his plan for you. But oftentimes that which negates God's revelation in our life is our unbelief. It's our inability to overcome and to really press in to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I was asked, um, I, I don't know if I shared last week, I get confused when I, I teach three times, so it could have been one of those times. But I was, I was asked by someone, Jackie, what do you mean by pressing into the Lord? And, and I thought it was a viable question. This is what I mean that Jesus Christ is your everything. You get done with work, you know how sometimes we get done with work and we can't wait? to get home and, and see our husband or wife. Like right now, Kathy's been gone for three days. I can't wait for her to come home. Well, I can, but when she, as long as the house is clean. But we're working on that. But uh, I, I want to see her. Well, that's the same way. That's what I mean by pressing into Jesus. That He becomes a main thing in our life. Man, if I'm alone, I want to spend time with the Lord. Oh, well, I got lots of choices when I'm alone. I turn on a TV. I go rent a movie. I could go out and do something. I go out, party with some friends. I could do a lot of things. But pressing into Jesus means He becomes central. That I don't want to go left or right unless He is leading me left or right. And some people will say, well, Jackie, that's fanatical. Amen. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, I have come to give you life, life more abundantly, and yet we don't experience the abundant life. Why not? Well, it's not because Jesus lied. Because we allow that seed of, of unbelief. That's why I relate so well to that father who brought his child to Jesus and, and said, Lord, will you heal my child? And the Lord said, you know, if you believe, he'll be made well. You remember the story? And the father, he goes, oh, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because he knew he wasn't in the place he needed to be. And do you realize it's not our ability to say, well then, now today I'm going to concentrate and I'm going to make it happen. Because, folks, that's a work of the flesh. And in the flesh, you can't please God at all. Jesus would tell the Pharisees, you would be better off to circumcise the foreskin of your heart because circumcision spoke of something that was to take place inside. It's that desire, the love that wants to place Jesus first. Performance, that comes later. The desire is what's necessary. The desire to know more of him. To experience more of Him. And that's what Paul wants to really get across to the church there in, in Corinth. He, he wants them to understand because they're facing hard times. Anybody here facing hard times? They're going through difficulties. Hey, folks, the Bible tells us what's coming, right? We try to comfort ourselves by saying sooner or later it'll get better. But one day that won't be true. You know that, right? The downward spiral of man will come, it will happen, and things will go from bad to worse. But God, who is rich in His mercy and the love with which He has loved you, has given unto us everything we need to overcome. Not He will give it. The book of Ephesians tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, In Christ Jesus. In Him is everything we need. And Paul found that to be true in the depths of despair. And he encourages us this morning that we might know, Hey, I can experience that too. Jesus is here. Even in the dark times. Even in the hard times. Desiring to pour himself out into us to strengthen us to encourage us to lift us up that we might do the work he's called us to do you realize God hasn't called us to do something he hasn't equipped us for he doesn't call us and then say now you're on your own to figure it out he says I've given you every gift just press into me press into me and allow me to provide that for you so as we take a look Beginning at verse 8, listen to what Paul says. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Man, you guys realize Paul had it rough, right? I mean, sometimes you think it'd be exciting to go to a new place and start a new thing. But you remember how that worked for Paul? I mean, you can read it all through the book of Acts. What happens? He goes to a town. He goes into the synagogue, preaches the truth of Jesus Christ. Many people get saved. Sooner or later, the people that are in control get irritated that all these people are listening to Paul and following this Jesus Christ. And so they begin to cause a ruckus. They'll stone him. They'll beat him. They'll throw him into prison. They'll cause a riot. Ultimately, they'll throw him out of town. And then Paul goes to the next town. And does the same thing, his whole life. You remember way back in Acts chapter nine, when Jesus Christ first called Paul to the ministry, when he saw the light in Damascus and was blinded, and, and when uh, Ananias came to him and prayed for him, and the scales were removed from his eyes. you remember Ananias said, "Lord, don't you know who that is? I don't want to go talk to him. He kills Christians." And Jesus said to him, you go, open his eyes for I will show him how many things he will suffer for my name's sake. As soon as Paul was armed with the truth, there was no price he wouldn't pay. Nothing that he wouldn't do, nothing that he wasn't willing to go through. But it doesn't mean that in the depths of that, he didn't despair. Hey, I've been there. You know, hang this. Life be a lot easier just to be a normal person again. I remember when I first came on staff at Joshua Springs. It was kind of like working behind the scenes at Disneyland. You have this idea what working at a church is like, right? It's, the people are holy. They walk around floating. They don't even really leave footprints anywhere. There's, there's just all this prayer and praise and happiness. Well, let me tell you. That's kind of how it works here because I'm the only one. When you're in a church where there's other people, all of a sudden that stops working that way. Not because I'm holy or not holy, but because when we put people together, what do we have? Conflict. Oh, do you see how he looked at me? Or well, do you hear what she said to me? Or, that's the reality of human beings. There's no getting away from that. And there'd be time where you're trying to... I'd say, well, I'm trying to serve the Lord, and I got all this stuff, and people criticizing, and blah, 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 blah. All this junk. And you say, you know, forget it. And the Scripture tells us that we are to consider Jesus in those times. Consider Jesus, who, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, And it is seated at the right hand of God. Did Jesus give up? And the book of Hebrews said, None of you have gone to bloodshed striving over sin. In other words, last I checked, none of us have been crucified lately. If Jesus didn't give up, if Paul didn't give up, We need to realize that the strength and the power of the resurrection that God poured out upon his son, he also poured out upon Paul, he also gives to you and me. The power to overcome. It's here. It's always here. It's always with him. So Paul says, I despaired. Even of life. In verse nine, yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Listen, he said everything was falling apart and he brought Paul to the place where he couldn't trust in himself. Do you realize how important that is, by the way? You know how easy it is to trust in yourself? Piece of cake, right? Well, yeah, Lord, it's all right. I got this one. It's a little problem. Well, in a couple minutes, it's going to get bigger. I don't need you, Lord. I, I, I don't want to bother you for this. I can do this. I have the ability. I am going to mess it all up because I am trying to do a work of the Spirit in the flesh. We can't do that. Paul, in writing to the Galatians, would say, Oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you that you would turn so quickly from the way? Do you believe, having begun in the Spirit, you can finish this in the flesh? I mean, take, for example, just the thing that God's done here in, in building this body, and building this church, putting the walls up and the, and the, and the tile in and, and making all the, the necessary improvements in, and right now the roofing and all the stuff that's been going on. We can look at that and say, hey, God, I got it. I know this is what we'll do and this is how we'll do this and this is how we'll do that. We are always constantly as human beings in danger, of, in danger of taking the control out of God's hands. Ignoring his still small voice and running on our own to, to complete something. And the scripture lays out for us what it is that God requires. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Then lean not in your own understanding. But Lord I don't understand. Good. Good. You're not supposed to lean in your understanding anyway. You're supposed to press into Him. And God will meet us there. God will meet our needs. God will accomplish His work in us. We've got to step out of the flesh and allow the Spirit to work. What does that mean practically? It's really simple. Really. The problem is we leave it out all the time. You want to know how simple it is to to function in the spirit and not in the flesh? Stop and pray. What? Yeah, I know. I do the same thing. I'm running around the house like a chicken with his head cut off. I can't find my keys. I don't know where my keys are. So I ask my wife. And she says, how am I supposed to know where your keys are? But let me tell you something about Kathy while she's not here. I remember... Yeah, I'm going to be in trouble later. You can pause the recording right now. I remember (laughs) Kathy one time being real busy, cleaning things up and moving stuff, and she grabbed my keys, and I happened to be watching her when she did it. She grabbed my keys. She had trash in this hand and keys in this hand, and she put the trash in the basket where the keys go, and she threw my keys in the trash can. And I said, Baby, what did you... You just threw my keys away. Oh. So now every time I lose my keys, like, Kath. Did you throw my keys in the trash? Now, she's never done it again. But, you know, you know how our heads work, right? So I'm running around. And have you noticed when you look for something, uh, the places you look get more and more ridiculous the longer you look? Like I'm looking in the the ice dispenser in the freezer. I'm, I'm looking in the cupboards. Like maybe when I grab that box of cookies, I put my keys up there, you know. And Kathy will always do this. Jackie, why don't you pray? Now, why is it when she says that, in my spirit, I say, I'm not going to pray. I just want to find my keys. (laughs) And it never never fails. If I will stop and pray, I find my keys. And it's like God saying, Jackie, we're going to keep going around this mountain until you get it here's what there is to get if we want to move forward in the spirit all we got to do is say god i'm about ready to go start my day i'm going to go i got these things out there father i need you to guide me you to lead me you show me your way and then out we go oh come on well if we're unwilling to do that it shows a heart of unbelief that jesus won't do what he said he would In the book of James, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, and I'll give it to him. So we ask the Lord, I want to do this your way, God, and then we go. That's all it is. Oh, that's so hard, isn't it? It's so difficult. Actually, it's very easy, and our nature just rubs against it, like, oh, that can't possibly be the way. God wants us to call upon his name First, Now, how does it usually work? Usually it works like this. I go, make a big mess, and then I say, Lord. And God says, you know, I could have spared you from some of this grief if we had talked a little earlier. But that's how we do it, isn't it? That's how we do it. We want to call on the Lord. Listen, Paul says... I could not, that we should not, trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. The Bible says that we are all dead in our trespasses and sin. Let me ask you a question. What exactly can a dead man do? Uh, The answer is not much. We're dead before Christ. We're alive in Him. And so often we try to go back to our dead ways and think that we can make something better. Not that we should trust in our flesh, but that we should trust in the God who raises the dead. You know, the scripture always reminds me every time I read this of Romans chapter 4. If you got a second, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 4 verse 17 as the Lord is talking about Abraham. Now listen, Abraham's a father of faith, right? Abraham accomplished a lot of great things. Did Abraham ever despair of life? where did he find his strength in God in believing the promises that God gave him look what it says verse 17 as it is written I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did did you know that God does that Do you know that sometimes God calls us to do things we don't understand? Sure he does. I have experienced some things that I don't understand for the last four weeks. The Lord laid on my heart. Jackie, let's pray. Let's have the worship team just focus in prayer for four weeks. Praying for revival. Praying for the outpouring of the Spirit. And let me tell you, after week one, I'm ready to say, "Woohoo! forget this. But... So what God said. And so we remain faithful. And who knows what God's going to do. And why did God ask? And, and why were those? I don't know. But that doesn't stop me from being able to be obedient to what God calls us to do, does it? If we have to understand, that's called leaning into what? My own understanding. Whose understanding am I supposed to lean into? His. Lean not into my own. Press in to the Lord. And and, and watch what God does. Because God's going to do a great work. He's doing a great work here. He's going to continue to do a great work. And he wants to do a great work in you. We just have to say, Lord, I'll be obedient. Even if I don't quite understand how all the pieces come together. I trust you. Because you're the God who calls things as though they are, even if they're not. He told Abraham, you're going to have a child. You know, Abraham was old when God told him that, right? And then he waited 25 years to the fulfillment of it. Look, the scripture goes on in verse 18 of uh, Romans chapter 4. "...who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be." He said, listen, my body's dead and my wife's womb is dead, and God says we're going to have a child." And contrary to hope, in hope, he believed God. Well, no, it doesn't make sense, God. It can't possibly work. Really. A lot of things don't make sense. I heard a man one time sharing a message saying that, uh, as he was talking about um, AIDS being a judgment from God and that nobody would ever be or could ever be cured from AIDS or HIV. And I thought, hmm, really? That's not possible? I'll send you my letter. See what you think. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Have you ever heard something that was hopeless? Like, I don't, there's no way for this to work out yet? God says, you trust in me. I'll carry you through. For example, we talked about Rackshack and Benny last week. You remember who that is, right? I don't have to go do the whole Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego again. Rackshack and Benny. They get thrown into the... Are they supposed to live through that? No. That's not supposed to work out. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. And God carried them through. Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Is there a formula there for us? That contrary to hope, even when we don't see a way in hope, we believe. We trust God. We believe that God is doing a work. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God to god he did not waver in unbelief he was strengthened in faith here's a, a nice way of saying that he didn't know how it was going to work out but he put his trust in god he didn't know how things were going to happen and, and 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 how all the pieces fit together but he trusted god Do you trust god this morning do you trust him do you trust him even if the circumstances don't make sense and don't understand why it's got to be this way? Do you trust God? Because that's what Abraham did. Listen, he trusted God. He did not waver in unbelief. Unbelief means, Lord, God forgot about me. God doesn't know what he's doing. God didn't see what just happened. But that's all a lie. God saw. God is moving. God is doing something. we just have to trust. We just have to believe. And being fully convinced that He had promised that, that what He had promised He was able to perform, do you believe what God has promised He is able to perform? Because one of those promises is, "I will never leave you." Never means n- not ever. Not for a moment, not for a minute, not for a second. But then God, why? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will guide your steps. Trust in God. And believe the promises. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. what's it say? God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God means his promises. We can hold on to those promises and trust in him. And so he says in verse 10, who delivered us? Uh, Chapter 1, 2 Corinthians. He says, now who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. What's he saying? Past, present, future. He delivered. He's delivering. He will deliver. We trust him. Now, he, Paul could have made a choice, right? In, in, in Philippi, when they took him out and they gave him 39 lashes, they beat his back with rods. You remember the story, Right? They beat his back bloody, they threw him in the darkest part of the prison, chained him in shackles, left him down there in the pitch black, and he could have been there saying, God, were you not watching? Were you not paying attention to what they just did to me? They just beat me. I didn't even do anything wrong, Lord. I'm just trying to, to share the truth of your word. I, I I didn't rob nobody. I didn't kill nobody, But but look at what they've done to me. But that's not what Paul did, was it? He didn't waver in unbelief. He trusted the Lord and he praised God in the midst of the prison. You remember the story, right? Earthquake. We don't have those here, huh? (laughs) Sometimes. I'm kind of used to not feeling them anymore. So hopefully I don't panic next time. But anyway, they had this earthquake. All the doors fall off the prison. The jailer's getting ready to to kill himself, and Paul says, Don't kill yourself, we're all still here. That means all the prisoners, when faced with the possibility of escape, they went down into the dungeon where Paul was. Why? Dude, do you hear that guy singing praises? They just beat him. How can he do that? Not one left. They all got saved. That's how the church at Philippi started. In a prison meeting. Become a church of prisoners. Tattoos all over themselves. Who knows what they look like. But the church in Philippi, when persecution came, the church at Philippi stood strong. Because they had endurance. They learned endurance by the things that they suffered. God will deliver. Do you believe? Do you trust him? Put your faith in trust and allow him to do that perfect work. For our boasting, or I'm sorry, you, in verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us. Guys, do you realize how vital corporate prayer is to the body? We have three prayer meetings a week. We have a Tuesday night prayer meeting. We have a Thursday morning prayer meeting. We have Sunday night, right at at the end of service, the last 20, 25 minutes of service, we have a a prayer meeting then. Do you realize how vital that is? You see, for a long time, I thought like prayer meetings are kind of boring and it's the same old thing and I can pray from home. So I'll pray from home, you go to the prayer meeting, we'll, we'll get it covered that way. There's just one problem with that, right? Every time God poured out His Spirit in a New Testament... It was a corporate prayer. The body gathered together. Remember the upper room? 120 people praying together. And what happened? God poured out his spirit and changed the world. It happens in prayer. We talk and we, we have email prayer requests that go around. Susie Jones sends those out so that we can be aware, made aware of the things that are going on. But God calls us to corporate prayer. God calls us to pray. Here Paul says, listen, part of our deliverance was you praying for us, you gathering together and, and, and lifting up your prayers. That that was part of the deliverance that God worked. God wants us to gather together and pray. Why? Because that is pressing into Him. Pressing into Him. Praying. Well, if I pray, will it change anything? Yeah. How do you know? The Bible says so. Isn't God going to do what God's going to do anyway? Yeah. Well, then, how does that work? I don't know. I just know it works. I just know that God says, hey, pray. Daniel prayed and the children of Israel were released from captivity to go into the land again. Because one person was willing to repent, God poured out his mercy on a nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's what God's calling us to. That's what we see working here. That because they helped together in praying for us. Thanks that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many for our boasting is this: the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity in godly sincerity and not with f- fleshly wisdom what 's that mean that he didn 't go take a class at college on how to make your church really big, or he didn 't go buy a book on how to cause the church to grow. Or he didn't sell tickets for people to come listen to what he had to say about how to establish churches all around the world. He said, listen, we just go forward in simplicity. The Word of God, straight up. No tricks. We came in sincerity because we really cared about people. And we didn't lean into the flesh. Our own ideas about, well, if you do this, this will happen. Or if you do that, that will happen. No, it's all about, God, what do you want? Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Perfect. Must be God. Pressing into him and allowing him to guide and to lead and to direct. And being excited that God says he'll pour out his spirit in that way. That God will do that perfect work in us. That we come with simplicity, godly sincerity, and without fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. By grace. Moving forward by grace. Giving people what they don't deserve. Giving people what they don't deserve. People don't always deserve love. They're not always nice. You ever met somebody who wasn't nice before? It's easy to be honorary to them, isn't it? God says, moving forward grace and, and godly sincerity, not in the power of the flesh, but in the power of the grace of God, extending his grace. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples how? By your love for one another. You love each other? That's pressing into God loving one another, choosing to love each other and allow God to do His perfect work. He goes on to tell us, Now, for we are not writing to you any other things than what you read or understand. Now, I trust you will understand even to the end. You know that there are some people who get together and they spend their life figuring out all these codes in the Bible. You ever heard of that, Bible codes? different Bible codes, and maybe some of those things are true. You know what Paul says here? We're just writing to you, just read what we write. There's nothing in between the lines. Do you believe that you could spend your life studying the regular Word of God and keep, be kept busy with that before you got to the codes? Well, maybe the codes are cool, and maybe they're kind of neat, and they kind of get us excited, but hey, There's enough in the regular Word of God, Paul says. We just, we're just, what we wrote to you, that's what we want you to understand. Simplicity. We just want you to take the Word, there it is. There it is. No hidden meaning. No hidden gestures. Nothing between the lines. Uh, We're just saying what God has laid on our heart. That's what they are sharing. That's what He was bringing out before them. Verse 14, as also you have understood us in part, That we are your boast as you also are, are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was unity with Paul. They're praying for him. Paul's praying for them. That's how we should function too. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. We're praying together. We're praying for the worship team. We're praying for the children's ministry. We're praying for an outpouring of God's spirit in this community with people who every day are perishing without Jesus Christ and they need to know him. We're praying. We're in this together. We're working together for one common goal. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. Now, in verse 15, Paul kind of changes gears. He had heard that some of the people were bummed that he didn't come from First Corinthians chapter 16 when he told them he was coming. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he said, now it may be that I'll be able to come to you and I'll spend time with you if the Lord permits. And God said no, and Paul didn't get to go the way he had planned. And some people were a little bent, wrapped around the axle. They're frustrated, they're angry, they're upset. Man, Paul, you know, you're an apostle. You should be able to just, if you say it, you should be able to do it. But Paul said, listen, I only want to do what what God wants me to do. It's not a work of the flesh, a work of the Spirit. So in everything we do, we want to be pressing into God, if the Lord permits. James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, James says, you know, some of you guys, you say, hey, I'm going to go to such and such a place. I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell. I'm going to make a lot of money and everything's going to be cool. And And James says, hey, you guys don't even know if you're going to be around tomorrow you would be better to say, if the Lord permits, if it's God's will. And this is what Paul's leaning into now. He's saying, listen, I know some of you guys are upset that I wasn't able to come, but it wasn't God's will that I come. So God's going to do something else. It will work out in a different way, but we're to trust the Lord in those things. Have you ever been disappointed by a brother or sister who told you they were going to do something and then it didn't work out, they weren't able to do it? Well, the the Paul, the word that Paul's bringing here is, don't don't get bitter, don't get upset. Just realize that God is in control. That God is in control. Trust Him. And extend grace. That's what he's asking. So he says, listen, I had confidence to come. I intended to come, in verse 16, to to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, no, no. He's he's using this kind of baby language where where, you know, When you say yes, you mean no. Or when you say no, you mean yes. Can we know what you really mean? Listen, he's saying, I'm not planning this according to the flesh. Kata sarks. It's not of the flesh. It's not of the flesh. It's not a, a work of the flesh. It's katanuma. It's of the spirit. So when we make our plans... We want to make our plans that are that we're walking in the Spirit, right? So how do we do it? We make our plans based on God's will. Hey, if the Lord wills, this is what we're going to do. But we're going to be praying and seeking the Lord for His direction. Because we don't want to take a step before God calls us to take a step. We don't want to move before God calls us to move. Hey, we've been, we've been, we're excited. Celebrate Recovery is getting ready to start. We're super stoked for the ministry. We're way excited about it. And we have already picked three start dates. (laughs) But we can't be so anchored to our start dates that we're ignoring what God's saying. And sometimes in our excitement, God says, not yet, wait, not yet, wait. And then he says, Go. We have to be willing to listen, right? We have to be. I'm not going to ever be so set to to my own plans that I don't want to hear what God's directing and what God's saying. So, how do we find that direction? In prayer, pressing into the Lord. God guide, God lead. And after that prayer, we move forward and we make plans. And if we do it wrong, God will say, No, 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 scratch that up, write it in pencil. Don't write it in ink yet, Jackie. So we are able to make the adjustments the way God... Do you believe that God will guide you if you ask Him to guide you? Do you really think that God's will for your life is so secret, He doesn't want you to know. He wants you to find it all by accident. He wants to show you. But how is it that He's speaking to us? Is He speaking to us in that mighty, roaring uh, whirlwind? The tornado? <laughs> Is He speaking to us in that storm and lightning and thunder and the wind? Whoosh. <clears throat> what did the Scripture say? God wasn't in any of those things. What was He in? The still, small voice. Where's that still, small voice hit you? Sometimes right behind you. Right back here. Check it. That's when He speaks. We just have to pay attention to what we're tuned into. Right? What we're tuned into makes all the difference. What am I tuned into? What am I listening for? Paul says, listen, I'm not tuned into the flesh where nobody, I can never really know what I'm, what I'm saying. Yes, yes, no, no. He says, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. Our word wasn't flipping back and forth. Our word to you was, and it's written for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if God permits, this our plan. If God doesn't permit, we don't want to make it happen. So he says, God is faithful. God was faithful. He guided our steps. We trust him, we trust the Lord. Trust the Lord in those little things. Trust the Lord in those little areas that we can understand what it is that God is doing. In verse 19, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Sylvanus, which is Silas, and Timothy, he was not yes and no, but in him, yes. He said, listen, we're preaching to you Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ not yes and no? He's yes. He is on the money, all the time, always right. The rest of us, our aim's not so good. But if we press into Him, He'll guide. He'll direct. He'll lead. If we trust. If we believe. We put our hope in Him and let Him do the work. Let God do that thing that He wants to do in our life. How He wants to do in our life. Because in verse 20 it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes. In him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God. What does that mean? That means that Jesus Christ fulfilled all the ifs. What do you mean? Well, we're, listen, we studied the book of Leviticus on, on Wednesday night, and, we, and we're studying the book of Numbers, and in those books, we see God telling the children of Israel, if you do this, then I will do that. And the children of Israel failed. They couldn't keep the ifs, so they didn't get the thens. But here Paul says, Jesus Christ has completed the ifs. And in him, not in me, in him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. That means that in Christ, everything we need is right there. In Christ. You understand how important that little phrase is? Paul uses that phrase 169 times in 13 epistles. So... If you repeat something 169 times, do you think it's important? To be found in Christ. For in Him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In Him, we have everything we need. In Him, we have the hidden wisdom and the treasure kept in, in these clay pots. We have everything that we need under the sun, but it's all in Him. All we've got to do is press in. All we have to do is set him at that rightful place in our life. Let God have control. That's what Paul learned. I give God control. Sometimes he lets me come to you. Sometimes he sends me somewhere else. But I'm going to let God guide. I'm going to let God lead. I'll still make plans. I'll pray. And God will direct me in those plans. Sometimes he'll change where I'm going. Sometimes he won't. But it's all going to be about him, for him, to him, because he is the main thing. Do you believe that? He is the main thing. He is everything that we need. And then he goes on in verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Man, man. He's given us so much hope here. Listen, now he who has established us with you. The first thing he talks about is the fact that Jesus Christ, in him is everything we need. In Christ, he is going to strengthen our unity. You see, when we keep the main thing, the main thing, we stay unified. When do we start arguing? When we start arguing about what well, worship is an easy one to pick on. Well, I... I don't like contemporary worship. I like contemporary worship. I only like the hymns. I can't stand the hymns. We don't have unity there, huh? <clears throat> but if Jesus Christ is a main thing, then we do. Because now our focus is Jesus Christ. Oh, I love Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. Oh, mine too. You mean even though we don't like the same kind of music? Yeah. Isn't it great? We can be unified because Jesus Christ, in him, is everything we need. In Christ, he strengthens our unity. He establishes us together with you. He builds us up into one body. That's the work that Jesus is doing. That's the importance of pressing into him. And then, not only that, he's anointed us. Anointed, that word for anointed is to dump it all out on you. You ever had a bucket of oil poured on your head on purpose? <clears throat> One time I was changing a transmission and I was underneath the car and I pulled that tranny out, it was automatic transmission, and it spit goop all over me, all over my head, dripped down the back, dripping down my back, it just was horrid. Everywhere. You get a little bit of oil on you, and it is, you don't just get it off. You don't just go get a towel and go, Oh there, did I get it? No. You're covered. That's the word he uses here. But he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has poured out this oil upon you, the oil of the Holy Spirit, that just flows down your head, down your back, all around you, everywhere you are. It's leaving little drips, like, a, <clears throat> like an old Harley. You can tell where you're, you've been parked, because you're leaking oil everywhere. Hey, that's the idea, that He, Jesus, in Him is everything we need. He's poured out the oil of the Holy Spirit upon us, and wherever we go, we leave a sign that we've been there. What's the sign? The Holy Spirit. Reaching out in the love of Jesus Christ to people who don't know Him. In Christ is everything we need, and that's one of the things, the anointing of God. The empowerment of God to do, to be, to go wherever God's calling us to go. So He strengthens our unity. He anoints us so that we might be able to serve Him. And then it says, who also has sealed us. Now you understand what that means. Sealing, it means that God has put His stamp on you. He's put His stamp on you. What did that stamp mean? Listen, in those days, a seal showed ownership. means that you belong to God. What else did that stamp show? It showed security. It meant that God or whomever's stamp it was, was watching out for you. Ownership and security. God said, I place my seal on you. You are mine. Listen, folks, there's great hope in this because Jesus said there was a guy who had a hundred sheep and 99 he knew where they were, but one was missing. And what did he do? He left the 90 and 9 and he went after the one. Why? His seal was on the one. That's my sheep. I'm gonna go get him. I'm gonna go get him. And the security that did, did that sheep's life rest on his own choices? Only on so far as he put his faith and trust in Christ. After that, Jesus keeps us. For I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded, he keeps me. I have security in him, and I belong to him because. In Jesus Christ, I'm sealed. I got the stamp of God on my life. Does it make me good? No. It just makes me his. It just makes me his. It makes me secure in him. He's not sitting up there with his thumb in his mouth ready to rub that stamp off of my forehead. He stamped me. I belong to him. So we're sealed in Christ. He sealed us and he's made us part of his family. And finally, He's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The fourth thing that we have in Christ, that we experience those promises, everything that we need in Him, a guarantee for your future. You got a guarantee for your future today? You know what tomorrow holds? I don't know. I know my dad at one time, he was uh, living life pretty good. Retirement was all there, you know, him and his, and his wife were, were living in Arizona on a golf course, everything's great. My dad's all stoked, hey, life is good. You know how long it took for that to all disappear? One day. One day, the market goes upside down and the whole thing's gone. Just not there anymore. You still have the paper that the day before was worth so much. But today it's not worth any of that. And you can't pay your bills on what the paper used to be worth. you got to pay it for what it's worth now. Do we have any guarantees at all for the future? In Christ, your future is guaranteed. You will spend eternity with Him. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more hurt. For eternity, dwelling in the middle of perfect and complete love. I I don't even think we can really fathom what that means to be in his presence. But by giving us the Holy Spirit, he has said, I guarantee your future. I guarantee it. Now, tomorrow may go sideways. Life might be upside down. But in Christ, our future is guaranteed In Christ, we are sealed, we're owned, and we're secure in Him. In Christ, we're anointed. That oil is all over us. In Christ, He's strengthening us together as a family, binding us together. You don't need anything else. In the Scriptures, one of my favorite verses is, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because I don't need more than that. A man, he had this big old harvest. And he said, no, my harvest is so good, I can't even fit it in the barns. I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build big barns. and So I can put that harvest. And after I bring that harvest in the big barns, I'm going to rest and take it easy. And God said, you fool. You made your life all about stuff and acquiring things. And the only thing that really mattered, you ignored tonight. Your soul is required of you. This was your last day. How did you spend it? God wants us to get focused. To, to, to get our lives focused on, on him. Well, it doesn't mean that we stop everything else. It just means we make him central. Central. We put him in the middle. When Jesus steps, we step. He moves left, we move left. He moves right, we move right. Wherever God goes, we go. And that we press into him. Why? Because in him is everything we need. Everything we need. We think it's in something else. We think it's in 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 a bigger house or 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 you know, just a few more years of hard work and I'll be able to retire. We think all those things are what our focus ought to be, but that's not, the the Lord says, it should be Him. Our focus on Him. For He's everything we need. Everything that we need is all wrapped up in Him. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul, that to spare you I didn't come to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but we're fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Paul said, listen, I, I, I want to spare you. I was mad. And I didn't want to come to Corinth angry and mad until the Lord directed me another way. But listen, not that I have dominion over you. Not that I'm trying to rule it over you. Listen, by faith you stand. By faith. You trust God. That's what gives us the ability to stand, to overcome. Trust Him. Trust Him and let Him set you free. Trust Him and let Him do that perfect work that God wants to do in your life. Because listen, guys, God God wants to give you so much more than you're experiencing. Remember 1 Corinthians 10? Remember in the book of Hebrews? Don't, through unbelief, not enter into the rest that that God has for you. Folks, there's nothing sadder than a believer in Christ who's miserable with their existence and where they are. Why are they in misery? The Bible says they're in misery because of unbelief. Because Jesus said, I've given you wherever you put the soles of your feet. I'm going to give that to you. I want to, I want to send you. I want to move you. I want to do things in your life. But through unbelief, you're standing there and you're allowing bitterness to rip you off and you're hearing the voice of the enemy, but you're not listening to me. He wants us to press in. Do you believe that God wants to do a great work? Do you believe in these last days that God doesn't want one other person ever to perish without knowing Him? Do you believe that God wants to use us? So, as God wants to use us, He wants us, you and me, to press in, to make Him central. To trust Him for all that we are. And watch Him do the work. The promises are already there. The only thing missing is us pressing in to Him. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for this time. Father God, as we just come before you, Lord, we ask that that you would move, Father God, among us. We pray, Lord, that God, you would guide us and lead us. Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to be able to receive that work that you want to do, God. For indeed, though life is hard, God is good. Though things aren't always easy and we don't always have the answers, you are always good, Lord. You are always right. And if we will not waver in unbelief, but like Abraham before us, will press into God and say, I trust you. Even though hope tells me it can't happen, contrary to hope, I will believe. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham became the father of faith because he trusts you. Paul, when he was despaired of living, and he said, this is just not worth doing anymore. It's so hard. Yet, God, you met him in that place, and despite his despair, he trusted you, and you delivered him, and you will deliver us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the promises that we receive in you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you, in Christ... We are strengthened together in unity. I thank you that in you we have the anointing for service, that we can do what you're calling us to do because you give us the strength we need. I thank you that in you I am yours and you are mine. And I can be secure in you because there's nothing I can do to make you love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make you love me less. Oh, Lord God, I thank you so much for the guarantee of my future. I thank you that Marv understood that. He wasn't afraid. He knew he was going home. God, may we rest in that guarantee that you give us. That indeed, Father, you are doing that perfect work. Do that work in us, Jesus. Father, move. Change us from the inside out. Be glorified in the lives that we give unto you. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close in worship. We want to invite everyone to, to be able to hang out and fellowship afterwards. Also, if we have any of the elders or... Uh, prayer counselors available if you guys would spread around if there's anybody here this morning that needs prayer we'd want to give you the opportunity for that just come on up and you'll be able to pray god bless you and go in peace